the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Moppin Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, by Evolution Sports in Redlands, and Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of Firing Line Radio Show. This is Philip Naiman joining you here today. Uh, check us out on our Facebook page, Firing Line Radio Show on Facebook. We're on Instagram under Firing Line Radio, and our website is FiringLineRadio.com. Joining me today, my wingman in the jump seat, I have over here Anson Beck from Falcon Ops. Booyah kashaw. How's it going, guys? Anson's been on the show several times before. We've always had a great time. We've actually been uh, on a couple of adventures together. Yeah, we're adventure buddies for sure. Adventure. We've uh, done a lot of training together. We've done a lot of shooting together too. And let me tell you the way the training works. Uh, I go to Anson's classes and I learn. That's that's the way the training together part works. Yeah, I, I hope everybody should learn. Regardless of what type of training class you're taking, you can always, at the minimum, learn at least one thing. And if you're only going to learn the one thing... It's that maybe I'm never going to take a class from this guy again. So no matter how bad the class is, you can always at least learn one thing. The one thing. Hopefully that's not the one thing you learn when you come out to take our classes. But uh, Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with, with uh, Falcon Ops, uh, you guys train out of Chino. Uh, yeah, Prado Olympic Shooting Park is our home base range when we're not out and about teaching around. Right, so over at Chad Carlson's place, Prado Olympic Shooting Sports. Yeah, he's been on the show too, right? Chad, yeah, several he's a good times. dude. He's, he's a real interesting guy when you get down to the nuts and the bolts. Once you learn about Chad, he's an awesome guy. Yeah. A lot he's of, got great stories too. There's a lot of depth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's a very busy man. So Chad does a great job out there at Prado Olympic Shooting Sports. And if you ever go out there, as you pull into the range as you're going through the the main gates on your right hand side you see some old older looking um flat roof barns kind of outdoor sheds sheds yeah and really what that is those are the sheds that are the shaded area of the shooting range and they have classes in there the farthest one i think it's called condor condor one range and then condor two um the one is the big range furthest to the right and then you got condor two is uh it, it could probably fit i think we can fit like 12 people on it condor one you can fit probably 20 so yeah, to have big, a whole big one in a small range, yeah. yeah. And so this is the same place where they but they run the uh, IS. Oh, sorry, IPSC. Yeah, the IPSC. IDPA and, and the IDPA. That's what I'm, I'm, that's what I'm here for you, buddy. Thank you. It's, that's why you're the wingman. A bunch of the shooting the sports. Seat. Yeah, they also have sporting clays over there. They do trap and skeet, um, some sporting clays, but then they do the uh, the shooting competition, pistol shooting competition, uh, IDPA, IPSC, a bunch of different police uh, PPC competitions and stuff out there. Um, yeah, it's a good spot. So the IDPA, which is a great practice. International team. Defensive Pistol Association. Right. Which is a great practice 
if you have a concealed weapon. I got to tell you, I don't think that there's a better way to practice because somebody's standing there with a timer. People are looking. It just adds a little bit of a little bit of tension. Well, not a little bit. It u- usually adds quite that little beep. Beep on the shot timer that 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 puts a lot of a lot of stress on you. Yeah, you shoot IDPA often. Uh-huh. Don't you? Well, not so much IDPA. I shoot. Uh, I've shot IDPA, but um, I shoot more of uh, like steel matches. Um, they have a real good one up north um, at Piru. It's called the I can't remember the name of the steel match. challenge. Steel, no, no, no. It's it's basically by where they do the steel or used to do the steel match um, up in Piru before they kicked it out of California because of the gun laws. But it's called the anyways. It'll it'll come to me. Um, but it's a cool it's a cool steel match up there at Piru. Um, Deadwood Boys. There you go. I knew it was going to come to me in a second. Uh, that's real fun. Um, and then if I'm not shooting a steel match, I like shooting like more of the IPSC USPSA matches. Just higher round counts, and it's a, a lot more complex. The stages are a lot more complex, so it requires a lot more thinking to kind of get through the stage idpa is pretty straightforward um usually the round count on an idpa stage is like 20 rounds maybe so you'll have to you can only use one reload yeah like one reload sometimes a mandatory one or you'll eventually have to shoot your gun dry but uh in the uspsa stuff it could be as many as like 50 if you don't miss so if if you're shooting like me and you're like missing 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 because you're just trying to go super fast then you you need to have a bunch of mags on your belt so yeah it's super fun and the stages are just a lot more complex so definitely for kind of an intro i'd probably say hey why don't you start off with an idpa just more simple um but the cool thing about the idpa is they don't let you kind of pre-game the stage which is what i actually like trying to do when i'm shooting a usps uh, uspsa match um is trying to plan the stage takes a lot of like a lot of thinking um so to sit there and be like okay well maybe i can shave a couple seconds off here a couple seconds off there do my mag change on the move here so the whole planning and then of course the planning never winds up working out because you're like okay it'll save me two extra rounds and then i'll do my mag and then you wind up missing so then your plan is completely shot and then it's like how well do you recuperate from completely blowing your plan on the stage so i find that kind of fun um but then the good aspect of idpa is that you're not allowed to kind of game the stage they give you like a little map of it so you can sit there and look at the front of the stage like this is what it's going to be but you can't really plan it they don't let you game the stage if you will so that's kind of cool um because you're just there like okay shoot the targets as they appear kind of thing and um they force you to use cover in idpa um so the range uh the, the the range guy who's there with the timer um he'll make sure that like hey if you're exposing too much of your body behind like the barrels or the pretend barricade that they have up there they'll ding you on your time yep. and then it's just it's way easier to score because anything outside the six inch circle on the idpa target is seconds so unlike in in uspsa where it's like power hit factor all this stuff you have to wait like four days to find out like how do i even do on the stage because they got to put some kind of algorithm in a computer to find out what you scored versus idpa you're sitting there it's like okay i missed the the six inch circle that's one extra second to my total time that it took me to shoot the stage so it's a lot more simplistic at least with the scoring and so they both they have their yin and yang just like anything else in in shooting or in life you got a positive and a negative a yin and a yang but you know and shooting idpa there's a couple different ways that they score them and, and guys need to realize that when you go these are called matches right but nobody outside of the top two or three shooters really cares they're out there practicing having a good time so oh, what are you talking about i'm trying to win every single time you're one of those those oh, uh not everybody's not those, like that those capital what's that first letter in the alphabet again holes i forget anyway 
Oh, I thought you were saying alpha males, somebody who wants to always constantly be striving for greatness. I'm talking about when people are first starting out and they want to come out there, they're going to be competing against themselves. And everybody out there is friendly. I've never... Nah, usually they're all friendly guys. Yeah. So everybody's out there. They're helpful. It's Even though it's called a match, it's practice. Just get out there, practice, do your best. You're going to figure out that you will quickly quickly improve and you'll improve in ways you wouldn't if you just went out to well, it's, well the, good, the, the good thing about it is it's a huge ego check because so many people in firearms you know oh yeah i know how to shoot no, i know how to shoot that. and i'm I've like never seen that. and then they get out there like <laughs> i've taken a bunch of my law enforcement buddies out there for the first time and they'll shoot a match and then they're like dude i'm afraid to go to 10 a i'm afraid to go 10 8 tonight and i'm like what are you talking about I'm i didn't know there was that many people that were that good at shooting because ego check they might you know get 90 percent or 100 percent on their qual every time they shoot it or be one of the best shooters you know when they go to the city. range to shoot their yeah. qual but then when they come out and get some exposure of like really good shooters it's super humbling and it's a it's a really good ego check i you know you go out there to uh, one of the um uspsa matches and get smoked by like a 14 year old filipino kid and you're like wow i thought i was pretty good until i just met this 14 year old kid who really knows how to run the gun you're like oh my god and it's great because that's your starting point yeah and the other thing is why you shouldn't be intimidated by it is because um in both in uspsa and in idpa they classify you so you're not competing if you're if you're new to the shooting sports you're going to be competing against guys who are new to the shooting sports so it's kind of a good way that you can you can map your progress if you will by watching like oh okay well hey i started off at the middle of like unclassified mm-hmm. or the middle of a d class or c class shooter in idpa it's like uh, master expert i forget how the classifications work but um you know you're starting off like marksman or one of the lower classifications and then you see like after practicing for a year or two it's like oh my god guess what i'm now shooting master shooting shooting as an expert or oh. as a as a master class and so you can map your progress real well but then when you start off you're only competing with people who are of the same skill level so when you do go to sanctioned matches where they're going to so give you prizes someone's going to buy of, dinner yeah you know yeah. so here's the other thing is there's several different ways to score as you were just talking about one of them is accuracy so i've noticed on there some guys just go there and compete on accuracy because their times are horrific but they're they're shooting for the accuracy score overall um i actually did really really well in the um penalty box i got some of the highest penalties oh geez no shoots and all the other stuff that wasn't no shoots i didn't find on that but it was the order. I kept screwing up the order. I would shoot the closest one first, and they kept saying pie around a corner. I'm like, well, this guy's my biggest threat. Oh, so, man. You know, and, and you get it out of order, you get dinged. So I did really well. I did good on accuracy, um, but my time was okay. But I did really, really well on the extra bonus points that you get uh, uh, by shooting things out of order. Out of order, yeah. No, they, they ding you on that one. <laughs> but, yeah, you'll, you'll see some people who shoot really, really slow and won't ever get an extra second added to their time. And then you'll see people They'll who never shoot. Win, but, yeah. Yeah, you'll see people who shoot super fast and are always adding a couple seconds here and there. But the guys who do good are the guys that have the balance of speed and accuracy, that good old BSA balance of both. You know, speed is fine. Accuracy is final. But um, you got to find that uh, that balance between speed and accuracy. And those are usually the shooters who do real well. And we're going to talk about that, how you learn that and what are the things that you do to improve that when we come back here. This is Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show with Anson Beck, my wingman from Falcon Ops. And we're going to talk about this when we come back after these a message from Vince, the owner of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo in Riverside. If you're a first-time gun owner or thinking about purchasing your first firearm, whether for hunting, home defense, or recreational shooting, it is important to take the next step 
and become a responsible gun owner. We highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety and training class, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essentials to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. As a law-abiding citizen, you have the right to self-defense, and with that right comes an obligation to educate yourself on the laws and safety procedures needed to use a firearm properly. For information about certified firearm training classes, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside at 951-823-0211 or check out their schedule of classes at bullseyesport.com. Because of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo, we believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. Pull! Whether you're a gold medalist or new to the sport of shooting, you'll love Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, where Olympians shoot. Prado's shotgun facility is world-class, offering trap, skeet, and five-stand. And the pistol and rifle ranges are safe and enjoyable shooting environments with professionals there to answer all your questions. Are you an experienced pistol shooter with an itch to take your skills to the next level? Discover the sport of practical shooting at one of the monthly events. Prado hosts ISPC shooting events open to the public every first and third Sunday with Prado Running Gun Club, blending accuracy, power, and speed with challenging multiple moving targets, penalty targets, and obstacles. Prado Olympic Shooting Park is a great place to teach your whole family about the safe and effective use of firearms. Bring the whole family for an exciting day at the shooting range. Call Prado Olympic Shooting Park at 909-597-4518. Online at shootprado.com. 909-597-4518. AM 590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside and Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Hey, folks, welcome back to Philip Naiman's Firing Line radio show here on AM590 The Answer. And joining me to my right here, I have Anson Beck from Falcon Ops. But, you know, one of the great things about this show is the depth and the quality of our sponsors. And one of them that we've had from day one has been Vince Torres over at Bullseye Sports in Riverside. Now, Vince has been a great supporter of the Second Amendment, and and he's been a supporter of this show. And those of you who know him know how passionate he is about supporting your rights. And one of the things we decided to do last year in response to some of the pending legislation in, in Excremento, California, that we would join a Gun of the Month Challenge. So every single month, he's going to sponsor a specific firearm. This month, it's the Smith & Wesson Shield for three ninety nine ninety nine. It's a nice little gun, that M&P Shield. It's a great gun. I own one. I carry one. Um, nine millimeter. You can get them for three ninety nine. Uzi nine millimeter with a laser sight. Of course. Plasma watts. Plasma. Uh, hey, man, you're in the wrong store. Okay, how about this one? It'll work fine, and 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 I like the I like the Glock forty three is is almost as good as the M and P shield, but unfortunately you can only get this gun if you're law enforcement. It's off the roster. It's not on the California roster list. You cannot buy them in the uh, occupied People's Republic. Yeah, but of the California. shields are about the same size and um, a little thinner, I think. It's a really nice gun. So anyway, three ninety nine ninety nine Bullseye Sports. Check them out at nine five one eight two one zero two one one bullseyesports.com. dot com, and. Uh, we, were, we went off the air there last second talking about 
training and pistol shooting and so forth. And one of the most important things about the IDPA training is really learning your firearm. You mentioned, you know, oftentimes you'll see experienced shooters. An experienced shooter who's never had proper training is a guy with a lot of bad habits. Yeah. Uh, I was one when I first came out and took your class. Yeah. Um, it also brought three guns and I think you or four and yeah, we barely made it by We're the not, end of the class on like gun number four. It was like, we broke this one. We broke this one. We didn't break that one. one's we broken. Just, they just got so stinking dirty. They would no longer run. Yeah. And that's when I learned. Well, that's about bur- that's broken by a Glock. Glock. What's what was the what was the movie where the guy's like, "Hey, get that silver shiny thing out of here. Go get yourself a Glock." It was uh, I don't know, but that's what I did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> After that course, I bought Glock Glocks. The that's Fugitive. The Fugitive. Tommy Lee Jones. All right. Yeah. Buy get yourself a Glock, kid. It's good. He's an actor. Yeah. He's probably never the, shot a real gun in his life. No, but it was a good quote in the movie. Okay. The Fugitive. Tommy Lee Jones. Is he an anti-gun guy too? I don't know. All right. Robert he's De Niro a, is. He's a well, yeah, but Tommy Lee Jones like a Southern cat, isn't he? I don't. Those guys are usually pretty pro. Robert, Robert De Niro plays all the movies with the bad guy with a gun, and then he yeah. comes out there being a no. psychotic guy. Yeah, forget them. Anyway, folks, joining us back here, we're talking about pistol 1.0 training and the basics because a lot of guys who shot a lot of times simply means they have a lot of bad habits. You said earlier today, uh, before we started recording, that your favorite class to teach is the Pistol 1.0. Oh, Pistol 1.0, definitely, definitely. And that's just because of um, so many shooters, whether they're um, experienced shooters, they've been around a block for a while, or like brand new shooters, watching that light bulb moment go off in a student's uh, brain, it's just that's that's what's really rewarding about being a firearms instructor is to see that light bulb moment where they're like, oh my God, I get this now. And that's what we keep on doing it for. It's not necessarily, you're not going to, you're not going to be a you know, making a million dollars teaching, teaching firearms training. Um, you know, there's some, some guys out there that make a very good living doing it, but so like there's more basketball players that are famous than firearms instructors. So if you think about it, it's a very small little community of, you know, probably six guys who actually make a very decent living teaching firearms, um, in, in the U S and there's a lot of firearms instructors, but all the other ones, I throw myself in that category, the people who, you know, nobody knows who you are, like the non-famous firearms instructors, there's thousands of us rolling around um and the reason that we do it it's not because we're going to be rich doing it it's because we enjoy disseminating that information and seeing that light bulb moment go off on a student's on a you know a student's brain where it's like oh i get this now so not only is it awesome to see that light bulb go off but um we are teaching something that somebody might be called upon one day to uh, save their lives or their family's lives so it's not you know golf swing yeah it's great i can i can not slice or what is it hook what do they call it? slicing a hook in the golf. I don't know. One of but, each, yes. but, um, oh yeah, I'm not slicing anymore. Um, but yeah, when you're not flinching anymore, that means that you'll probably be more effective at trying to save your life or your family's life one day. If you have to get called upon to use a firearm to, uh, to defend yourself. So, so what's the number one mistake you see for new people? Um, probably just grip, which is yeah. kind of like the simplest, the simplest thing, you know, triggers a lot more difficult to, to manage and to master. Um, but grips pretty straightforward. And I find that, uh, that's the, that's the number one failing part. Um, just because having a really good grip will help you with all the other aspects of, of, uh, of the fundamentals. So just real quick, you got seven fundamentals. You have stance, you have grip, you have sight alignment, you have sight picture or sorry, sight alignment, sight picture. Then you have breathing control that affects those two other ones. You have trigger control and then you have follow through. So you have seven, but essentially they break down into three pillars is the way that I call it. Three pillars of marksmanship. So your first pillar, which is your stance and your grip, what you're trying to do is you're trying to manage recoil in that pillar. Um, then you're dealing with obviously sight picture, sight alignment, 
Um, and that that's just site management. You're managing your sites. And then obviously your, your third pillar is trigger control. So you're just trying to manage your trigger. Um, the, the third one, that trigger control component is probably the most difficult one to, to make unconscious or to master. Um, but having a good grip will help you both manage your sites and manage your trigger. If you have a good grip, you can be pretty mashy on the trigger. You don't mm-hmm. necessarily have to squeeze it. You can slap it. If you have a good grip, you know, you think about putting a gun in a vice grip or like when guys do those accuracy tests with a ransom rest, it doesn't matter how God awful you're squeezing that trigger or jerking that trigger. The gun's not moving. The gun's not moving. So the better you can grip the gun, kind of the less um, tactile you can touch the trigger and you'll still have a good outcome. And the more you can master the grip or the better you can grip the gun, the less it's going to move, the less you have to worry about sight management because your gun isn't moving as much. So that's usually where it starts off. And that's one of the most common things people come in and they don't know how to grip the gun. I think no. that's a, that's critically important. We'll talk about yeah. that. You know, one of the demonstrations that I saw, Safari Land invited me up to a class with Rob Lethem and he's awesome. He is. And he's fun. Yeah. Super cool guy. You know, I, I, I have people on the show that are fun and good you have to have both you've got to be good and oh. if you're good but not very fun you're don't not on the, the show um you're double fun oh, okay just right. so it counts like being good but all right it's not exactly anyway so one of the things he showed is he took the guy who was shooting the worst in the entire class and he went to a 10 yard line and he had him focus on his sights completely on his sights and to hold that gun as god awful still as he could mm-hmm. crushing it he had him just totally you know, leaning, crush to crush your enemy, crush the grip with a gun. Hear the, the lamentation of the polymer. And, and hearing, you know, he's totally braced up and he's leaning into the gun. He took a cleaning rod and he stood to the side about two feet, put it inside the trigger guard. And started just whack, 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 whack. And he just told the guy, just focus on the sights, finger off the trigger, just focus on holding that gun as still as possible. Yeah. And he slapped that trigger and the gun shot straight. And again, and again, and again. And what his point was, is you can't shoot fast without slapping the trigger. And his job is speed. Yeah. Speed and accuracy. So that the, by overcompensating with really a monster grip, by hanging on to that Crushing, crushing the polymer. And, and, you know, the shoulders are forward. You're, you're braced up like, like you teach in your class. An aggressive grip. Yeah. Yeah. That it allows you to shoot very, very quickly on follow-up shots and your sights are right where they need to be. Yeah. Yeah, no. What your, so, your talk, point? I'm pointing to you because this is your part of the show. <laughs> okay, so what, you you now you talk you you talk. Yeah. Those um, are- so the, the the higher you can get in relationship to the bore of the gun, the better you with can. With the web of your hand. Yeah. Well, not only with your weapons hand, but with your essentially with your with your reaction hand no, or your talking about the grip hand. With the web of your hand. Yeah, you want to get as high tail. up high up to the beaver tail or high up to the bore axis as possible, but also with your reaction hand or your, your non-dominant hand, whatever you want to call Just it. Just talk with the talk about the weapon hand first. Yeah. Well, that's that's pretty straightforward. You get up as high as you possibly can to the where the slide reciprocates with your weapon hand. That's that's the straightforward part. Because now, and, and what's what I see a lot is people are gripping their gun where they, maybe they'll have their pinky across the bottom of the magazine mm-hmm. and there's a half inch or an inch gap between the top of their hand between their thumb and, and that the beaver crux tail. And the, yeah 
And so yeah. that's what you want to avoid. Well, that's all, you're already starting off on the wrong foot. If you don't get your weapons hand as high up to it, then when you're building your reaction hand grip, there's no way that you can get that higher up to it. So the weapons hand's pretty straightforward. You get that web of the thumb and the, and the index finger as high up to that slide as possible, or beaver tail if you're running the nineteen eleven. Pressing down. It's pressing yeah. down. Yeah. So that's where you want it in, and kind of have the the line of the bore in relationship to your radius and your ulna straight. Mm-hmm. But there's a little bit of wiggle room. Some people choke in a little bit. Some people choke out on it. But pretty much you want it in line with that radius and the ulna. But really, where a lot of people fail is with that reaction hand grip, not building that properly in relationship to the weapons hand grip. That's where I see. You know, the most people running into issues. The weapons hand, straightforward. Get it as high up as you can. There's you a lot to there's a yeah. lot to build in that reaction hand grip that after this commercial here we'll talk about um, <laughs> during the next block of uh, of talk talk talk. Not shooting block, but talk block. So go go for it. What, what do you say? Well, Sign thanks. us can off. I, can I talk about Sign it? us off. All right. Folks, Fiery Light Radio Show, Philip Naiman on the Anson Beck show. Uh, <laughs> we'll be right back after this. Are you an expert marksman looking for a clean, safe place to shoot? Or maybe you've never shot a gun but want to learn? Well, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range is the best place to work on your shooting skills, no matter what your experience level is. With 21,000 square feet of indoor range space, 35 shooting lanes, and an electronic target retrieval system, it means no line breaks and more trigger time. The friendly people at Riverside Indoor Shooting Range can answer all your questions about firearms training, self-defense training, firearm rentals, gunsmithing, archery, and more. And for the ladies, the Riverside chapter of The Well-Armed Woman meets there the second Tuesday of each month for women of all experience levels. Looking for a great holiday gift for the shooting enthusiast in your life? During the month of December, get 10% off a full year's membership or 10% off any gift certificate of $40 or more. Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. For directions and info, log on to RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. That's RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. AM590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, by Evolution Sports in Redlands, and CCW Safe. Spartans, lay down your weapons! Persians, come and get them! Hey folks, welcome back to Firing Line Radio Show. Check us out on our Facebook page, Firing Line Radio Show. As a matter of fact, if you go on there, you're going to see some ads, for, not ads, but I see a post I put on there for cutting edge bullets. Um, every month, I've got gift certificates to give away for cutting edge bullets, 100 bucks a piece. So if you share that post on Firing Line Radio Show on your site, there's a good chance you just might win one. So check it out, share that, cost you nothing to do it. But cutting edge bullets, the... Uh, all copper California legal hunting bullet. And if you don't reload, they make loaded ammunition. I got to When they you, started making loaded ammunition? A couple of years ago. Their PhD loaded ammo is absolutely awesome. What calibers? In 380, 940, and 45. Oh, for pistol stuff? They pistol do any ammo. rifle ammo? Not, not, not oh, yet. Oh, that's why. I, knew, I thought they did pistol stuff before. I was like, oh, re, like loaded. Yeah. So you can get loaded ammunition. Wind mag and that would all be this awesome. good stuff. So they make it but they have they have enough rifle selections you can pick whatever you want. So check that out, share that post out there. It's going to be awesome. And also we have some new things coming out from Vortex Optics. You use Vortex? I do. I love that those scopes. They've got some great products out new for the AR and they have a laser rangefinder on a binocular. That's nice. It's very nice. And they have two some, in one combo right there, right? 
Excellent. And they've got some great, great new rifle scopes that are coming out. So we'll have more information about those in the future here. But joining me, I have Anson Beck. Anson Beck from Falcon Ops. Falconops.net is their website. Yep. Find out what their schedule of classes are. I've had a, a lot of fun taking classes with Anson, and I've learned a lot. And as you can hear, he's a wealth of knowledge. Um, some pretty bad movie quotes thrown in, but a wealth of knowledge as far as firearms are concerned. Those. Lots of those. Actually, I think you do more movie quotes than instruction sometimes. I try and keep it 50-50. 50% movie quotes, 50% firearms-related instruction. Yeah, a lot of people are like, "How? What? what are you like Wikipedia? I'm like, ah, well, when I'm talking about some definitely not shooting-related topics in class, that people are like, I never knew that about distillation of this or, you know. <laughs> yeah. It might have to do with alcohol or shooting a- or anything, movies. Anything, just fun stuff. Anyway, so check it out, uh, falconops.net. Go for the schedule of classes. He does have a pistol 1.0 coming up. We're talking about in a pistol 1.0, one of the major things, and I've seen it in the classes I teach too, major things Pillar you Pillar number one, grip. Is the grip. And and once you have the weapon hand down, then you're offhand. Yeah, hand. Um, reaction hand, whatever you guys want to call it, left hand if you're a right-handed shooter. So um, we were talking about how the, the right hand, yeah, get, up, get it up as high as you possibly can. Um, grip it firm, firmer than a good business handshake like you really want to tell the guy hey i'm going to be a good employee or when you're introducing yourself to a new employee hey i'm pretty pretty serious boss here no limp noodles so pretty firm with that hand but then the reaction hand the left hand if you will if you're a right-handed shooter that's the one where people don't really get it so let's let's talk about right thumb weapons hand thumb people want to try and crush it down um essentially what i do and everybody has you know different body kinesiology everybody has a different way of gripping a gun but for me what works best is i don't really put much pressure on my right thumb or weapon side thumb grip because what that allows me to do then is stack my left hand or reaction side grip further back and higher up on the grip of the gun so if you look at a picture of me shooting or a video you'll see that that left hand is literally almost peeking out over the top of the slide so people are like oh well if it's touching the slide isn't that going to prevent it from recoil you know from from it cycling or or from it recoiling back no not really obviously i could make it i could put so much pressure with my reaction side thumb that i could make it not reciprocate back but i'm not really putting the pressure there i'm putting a lot of the pressure with my four other fingers underneath the trigger guard and what people try and do is they try and stack those four fingers um, along the three fingers that are already there underneath the trigger guard on the front of the, the the grip of the gun and they'll just try and stack them along well instead of trying to stack them along if you look at where that puts your elbows it kind of forces your elbows to be at yeah. like a 45 degree angle towards the deck and when you start building the grip forward with your four left hand or reaction hand fingers on your weapons hand side what that actually does is it starts forcing your elbow at least on your reaction side your reaction elbow up to be 90 degrees so the elbows are a big part in absorbing so, the recoil so what and you're talking, building that good grip. You know, I just watching the visual here and, and the explanation on it. <clears throat> your right arm, your elbow is going to be pretty much aiming towards the ground. No, it's still my my, my right out. elbow is going to be 90 degrees. My left elbow is going to be 90 degrees. But my left hand is going to be higher in relationship to the bore right. than my right hand. When when people when people grab their gun, their elbow is almost always like a weaver stance. Almost oh, yeah. Almost always... 
aiming towards the ground. That's where people want to put the elbows. But what you're going to do by pointing elbows to the ground is you're creating a natural fulcrum or a lever with those elbows to allow like recoils like water. It's going to follow the path of least resistance. So if my elbows are pointed 45 or down towards the deck, then that pistol's flipping up into my face. There's nothing I can do no matter how hard I try and grip it. That pistol's going to be flipping up into my my face versus locking, not necessarily locking, but forcing your elbows to be out with a slight bend. Activating your shoulders. Yeah, now you're engaging your tricep, bicep, your forearms are in there. You're gripping the gun like a real firm business handshake. Um, Your shoulders are engaged. You're engaging all those muscles. And then the recoil is coming back instead of up because you've put the elbows to that 90 degree or parallel to the ground versus pointing at it. So that makes a huge huge difference. Exactly. And when it comes back, when you're leaning into the gun and your shoulders are activated, it comes back. The gun takes the recoil. Your body doesn't. Your body's going to be solid. Yeah. And what will happen is it'll cycle and come right back on top of target and you'll have very little adjustments to be made to hit it. Yeah, then well, the same like we were talking about in the in the previous block. Um, the better I can grip the gun, grip. It's not just the way I'm holding it; it's the way I'm. It's stance and grip. It's right. the way my shoulders are. It's the way my elbows are. It's the way do I lock them completely out? A lot of people come there and they'll lock their elbows out. Well, then all, all the only thing that's absorbing recoil is my skeletal system, and bone and muscle work better than just bone by themselves. So I like to have a slight bend with my Here's, elbows so that they're acting like a shock absorber of a car. Right. Here's what I see when they lock their elbows out is typically they'll stand straight up and they'll almost have a back tilt to yep. their spine. I call it ISS, indoor shooting stance. Yeah. You'll see you go to like, you know, you go to the indoor shooting range and everybody's like leaning back far away yeah. from the gun. They're like, hold on, let me, let me lean back. Wait, real, real far away. Yeah. You don't want to be that far away from the gun. You want to be nice and just like you hear my voice. Nice and yeah. close to the mic. And so that's that's the other thing is you're leaning forward from the hips. You're you're actively aggressive towards the towards the target. The um the other thing on that is the head positioning. Now a lot of people I'll see they'll they'll grab a gun and they'll put it out in front of them and then they'll crane their neck to wherever their arms are pointing the gun. Folks, bring bring the gun to your face. <laughs> Put your head in a nice, solid position. Lift the gun up to your bring, face. Bring the gun to your face or meet it in the middle. I'm kind of a meet in the middle guy. A lot of the competition shooters, they like to keep their face very, very high up. Um, I have like, you know, and it's body like kinesiology. You lean it forward. In I, yeah, no, not, not necessarily like turtle. I don't get super low behind it, but I kind of meet the gun in the middle instead of bringing the gun all the way up to my face um, or to my eyes, essentially, because I, I guess I just have a longer head and it depends. It's a body kinesiology. It's a bigger, bigger head. Yeah, big noggin. I've heard about um, that, yeah. But, uh, um, that's what she's been, um, but so I bring, I bring it up, I bring it up to, to meet it in the middle instead of bringing the pistol all the way up. I find that that creates like a cradle, um, in my elbow position. If I try and bring it up all the way to where my eyes are. So I kind of meet it in the middle. Some people get like super aggressive with where they're like dipping their face down. They're super tucking their chin down in between their pecs. And you know, you don't necessarily have to get that aggressive with the stance portion of it. A lot of the magic isn't happening in the way I'm standing. It's the way that I'm building my grip from my shoulders to the, to the pistol. Um, that's kind of where the magic happens. And this is something when you teach people for the first time, they're like, what? It doesn't feel normal. You know, because they're used to like, again, if you've been shooting for a while and haven't had this kind of instruction, you have a really good bad habits. And so you're you're used to something else. And when I first tried it, I'm like, this is odd. But I got to tell you, the way that it manages recoil and, and puts you down for the second, third, fourth shot 
um, in a way that you can manage them and get them right on target as quickly as possible, it makes all the difference in the world. You're not going to see Max Michelle out there shooting Weaver style. No, that's not going to work too well for him there being a top top rated uh, shooter. But it's important though when 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 people are trying this new technique or trying something for the first time um, to validate it to the student that it's not just hey. I'm not telling you to shoot this way because, hey, I'm telling you to. Yes, it is the way that I shoot, but um, I, I, I try and show as much as I can to validate it in the student's eyes that it's the most optimal for me. Hopefully, then it's the most optimal for them as well. So how do you validate it? Well, that's when I come out with that template that I have that has like the little circle and then I have those stadia lines of green, yellow, and red so that the students themselves can watch how high the muzzle is flipping under recoil so they can validate it with themselves that changing something as, as simple as how firm I'm gripping the gun or one elbow position or both elbow positions or my placement of where my feet are in relationship to my shoulders, all those little tiny things are going to have effect on the muzzle flip. And it's one thing for me to talk about it, but it's another thing to validate it to a student. So that's why we shoot that template so that people can see themselves Oh my God, yes, when I do this or I, I loosen up on the grip, my muzzle's flipping a third more than it was before. So that's important so people can see that impact of how it mitigates recoil in their own eyes, not just some dude that's out there telling them, hey, this is the way you're supposed to do it. Well, we're out of time again. Oh. I take us a commercial. Go this for is your it, show. <laughs> Philip Naaman, Firing Line Radio Show. We'll be right back after this. If you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit, you need protection beyond the weapon. My name is Larry Vickers, and I am a retired veteran of U.S. Special Operations, and I now teach law enforcement, civilians, and members of our military in advanced firearm training. I train people to use their firearms in almost any situation, but I can't prepare them for what happens if they are forced to use a gun to save their lives. That's why I use CCW Safe. They offer membership plans for concealed carry permit holders, and if members are involved in a use of force incident, CCW Safe provides expert witnesses, investigators, and the best defense attorneys in the U.S. Yearly plans range from $99 for a single membership to $150 for a dual membership, and special plans are available for law enforcement and military. Members are required to have a valid concealed carry permit and must maintain their permit. Visit ccwsafe.com today. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Hey folks, welcome back to the People's Republic of Occupied California. This is Philip Naiman coming to you from uh, Sad Burning Ghetto, uh, California. <laughs> Firing Line Radio Show, check us out on our website, firinglineradio.com. All of our podcasts are there. Subscribe to them for free. When uh, when I do giveaways, like the current cutting-edge $100 gift certificate giveaway, I tend to look for people who share the posts and subscribe to the free podcast. That's all I'm going to say is if you're in that category, there's a really high possibility you just might accidentally win something. Yeah, get your ish together. Come on, guys. <laughs> exactly. So check it out. It's free. It's awesome. We'll spread some stuff around and get some good information out there. Uh, joining me back, I have Anson Beck from Falcon Ops, falconops.net. Check out their schedule of upcoming classes. We're talking about the Pistol 1.0 and the foundations of marksmanship. marksmanship. Yeah, the three pillars, as I like to call them. So yeah, we were talking about just this, man. 
what, 10 minutes a segment, almost 30 minutes. We've just been talking about just grip. Um, but yeah, get, pretty, get a grip. pretty, pretty important. Um, because that's going to set you up for success with your, um, site management, which is your kind of your second pillar and that trigger management, which is your, uh, your third pillar. Um, so yeah, the better you can grip the gun, the less the sights are going to move, the easier it is for you to manage them. Um, I, you were talking about Robbie Latham, uh, in the class that you were in and how he had the guy focus on the sights. Um, that's something well, else. His that's, grip. He was crushing, you know, yeah, grip. like yeah. really, really grip the gun, but then he was pulling the trigger and he had this, the student, um, focus on the sights. That's kind of like a big thing for people too. Um, well, where should I be looking? Should I be looking at the front side? Should I be looking at the target? What should I be focused on? Um, and a lot of times in classes I've been to, you know, NRA instructor schools or different classes that I've taken um, over the years, uh, people talk about, you know, front side focus. Oh, the reason you're missing your shot, front side focus. Well, you know, we have binocular vision as human beings. We have two eyes. So technically, if I have two eyes, I can only focus on one thing at one time. I can't focus on multiple things. I can see multiple things. I can look at multiple things. I can be aware of multiple things, but you can essentially only focus on one thing at one time. So people get wrapped wrapped up in front sight focus, meaning actually I'm going to focus with both my eyes on the front sight. If you wind up doing that, you'll notice that you won't see one single target. You'll the target's seeing, a blur. Yeah. You'll wind up seeing two separate targets as your as your eyes intersect on the front sight at whatever distance that is. So it's about front sight awareness. Managing the front sight is seeing where it is without essentially staring at it. You don't want to stare at the front sight, but I need to see where it is in relationship to the target. And then depending on the distance or the hypers or the, the, the size of the shot I'm trying to make, the size of the target I'm trying to hit, um, how much I need to see where it's sitting in the rear sight. But I never, I never look at the rear sight. Um, I will sometimes, yes, hard front sight focus um, to make sure that it's perfectly squared in the rear side aperture. Um, but then when I squeeze the trigger, I'm always focused on the target, not necessarily on the front side. So here's an interesting thing that I learned in one of your classes was the presentation. So when the gun comes up and you're presenting it to the, pushing it to the target, Uh you know, um, if, if your eyes are locked on the target and if you're pushing to the target and everything else is squared, you're hitting the center of that target without looking at the sights. Yeah. You know, and we even tape without staring. I mean, I, I will see the sights. You see them, but I'm not going to look at them. We even taped over them. Yeah. And, and some of the drills that we do in some so of the other classes, we're shooting, we'll, we're shooting the center of the silhouette at 25 yards with taped over. Or that steel, that Ipsix, you yeah. know, A and A and C zone steel target out at fifty, and people are tinging it with a piece of tape on our front and rear sight. And, and the reason that you're doing that is everything else. Your your Shoot, eyes shooting intuitively. Yeah, your eyes are the real sights, and so if you bring it up to your face and you're all in line, you've got an opportunity to. Yeah. Yeah, you're using that tape as a reference. So it just kind of helps people when you have this, when you have sights as a reference, it's way better than having some tape out there as a reference. But people spend too much time trying to focus on the sights instead of being aware of them and seeing where they are in in, in your ocular plane um, versus trying to stare at that front sight. And once you put that, once you put that into, into the little processing unit there, like don't stare at the front sight, but be aware of it, um, helps you out with that sight management, especially if you're trying to shoot fast in a small time frame, because you don't have time to front sight focus. Look at the target front sight. Squeeze, so managing breathe. managing yeah. that those sights under recoil really helps you helps you out. Um, and then it just becomes trigger. Trigger is really important too. Um, not slapping it, realizing that with a striker fired pistol, you have three distinct components of it. You have a prep or a pre travel of the trigger. Um, those of you who shoot double action, single action pistols like uh, Berettas or or uh, or the Sigs or H and Ks and such, um, you have like a long first trigger pull. So there's a metric 
ish ton of uh, trigger pull in that first squeeze, right? You For the have first round. You, yeah, you have you have fourteen pounds of pre travel in that first trigger squeeze. So it's real essential um, that you prep your trigger before you know it's going to break. So prep. Then once you know you've prepped it efficiently and to the, like ninety percent of it about to go off, that's when you think about squeezing. And then the R simply stands for reset. So I just call it PSR, prep, squeeze, reset. There's three distinct phases, if you will, in a trigger pull. Um, whether you're running a 1911 or some striker fired or a DACA, or even a revolver. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah. So, so you know, you can a, see a double it. action only as like a revolver, if you will. So. And, and that PSR is perfect for that because one of the things we teach is as you're pulling it around is there's the pause people screw up on a revolver because they're slapping the trigger and it's yeah. doing all that work and they're it's, just yeah it's like trying it's like trying to get out of a parking spot with uh like a standard transmission car i don't know if any of you even drive those anymore but i remember learning <laughs> on it because i'm clutch, pretty old yeah, yeah. you got to get that clutch set up right otherwise you're either going to stall you can't just you just can't hit the hit fourth gear like you are when you're driving on the right. freeway so you have two distinct things you have you have like precision marksmanship trigger squeeze with the pistol where you're really focusing on that prep squeeze and that reset like you're trying to back that that car out of a parking spot and then you have the hey i'm on the freeway and i'm trying to run this gun as quickly as i can where not not that we're shooting on the freeway no but you're trying to run the gun 100 miles an hour like you're in a nascar driving driving a nascar versus i'm just driving miss daisy to the to the supermarket um you know a different a different style of prep squeeze and reset i'm still doing those components but a little bit different that was that was the biggest change for me because my background was hunting and just target shooting and not really the, learning the combative side of yeah. firearm usage, which was taking too much time to get the perfect sight picture. So yeah. on my silhouettes, I like to shoot the buttonholes off the bad guy, mm-hmm. which takes too much time if you're talking about a defense. Time is money on this gig. Time, <laughs> it, it takes too much time. And, and it's hard to realize that, look, you know, yes, my, my background is, is precision shooting and I want to shoot as tight as possible. But if I could put one round on the buttonhole or four rounds within two inches of that buttonhole in the same period of What's time. What's more efficient. Yeah. 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 How long do you have to make a first round hit in a gunfight? The rest of your life. The rest of your life. Think about that one for a second. Yeah. So. So the other thing we're talking about, uh, CCWs, right? Yeah. Riverside's impacted, San Bernardino's impacted, Orange County. I don't know if they're on or off again, but you do training for CCW. Well, Orange County, yeah, it's still they're still they're still giving them out. Okay. Not like hotcakes or anything like that, but they're still they're still issuing them like out. Flapjacks, yeah, yeah, they're back to flapjacks. No, they're still they're still going so, with it. So those um, of you the, in Orange the County, one, the one sticking point, a lot of people were a little bit uh, they were a little bit leery to try and um, go and get it and then get denied because a denial doesn't look very good. Like, why did you get denied for a CCW? Is there something wrong with your background? So people are leery of getting that denial. So um, I was getting a bunch of phone calls. Um, they just they just want they used to be of the of the frame of mind where they're like, hey. Um, What's your good cause? Oh, Second Amendment, my right to bear arms, right? But they they realize that, hey, that's not really going to stick. So you have to articulate self-defense is basically what it is. You can't just say, hey, self-defense or Second Amendment. They want you to articulate why you want to have a concealed carry permit. So that's the only difference that they really change. I think that was like maybe a year ago. But you know, that that freaks guys out. They go, why do I have to? It's really pretty simple. It really is. It's just just take a little few minutes, articulate how you need for self-defense. 
Um, we're in a crazy world. There are more felons than free people these days huh, roaming the streets. Yeah. Articulating a self-defense clause is not that difficult. Now, I hear people all the time bagging on Riverside County Sheriff or San Bernardino County Sheriff um, about their, their uh, CCW. These guys are awesome. We have the best Second Amendment sheriffs in Southern California and Riverside and San Bernardino County. And if you don't believe me, go to L.A. County. We have absolutely great sheriffs that are doing everything they can to issue CCWs. If they ask you for a clause, give them the clause. All right. They are under a ton of pressure not to issue in this state. Yeah. So they're fighting the good fight. Um, they want a they want a couple of, of paragraphs from you for Orange County, L.A. County. You could write them a book. They're not going to issue one. No, unless you're like Rosie O'Donnell's PSD guy, and then she writes a letter, and it's like, oh yeah, we'll issue it to this dude. Yeah. Well, that's. I can't believe you said that name on my show. Oh, sorry. Jeez. We can. We can. There's that's a the rewi- second, there's a rewind and rewait or like or an erase portion of this, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, but then we'd have to hear it twice oh, to know where it is right. to take it out. Okay. Just do. Oh, just let that go. That's the second O word we're not allowed to say here. Okay, sorry. The first one's got retired. Yeah, he's done. Yeah. He who nope. shall not be named. Yeah, what movie is that from? <laughs> that's from Life in Washington D.C. M. Night Shyamalan, The Village. No, it's not. Those who will not be named. No, it's it's Harry Potter. Oh, Harry Potter. I haven't seen that one. Okay, well, it's multiple movies. You need then. to get out more. Yeah, I know. Watch more Harry Potter movies, films. Because nerds like me do. Anyway, go. folks, I want to join, uh, thank my special guest here, Anson Beck thank from FalconOps, falconops.net. Yep. And uh, check out his schedule. You might see me there at, a, at the classes. We're going to have a good time out there. Pistol 1.0. Yeah, a place we got one go. coming up here in February. And Carbine 1.0. If you just bought your AR and you're not sure how to make it run, go see this man, Anson Beck, falconops.net. Hey, thanks. You guys be safe out there. When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside. The Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. CCW Safe. Mop and Financial Advisors. Cutting Edge Bullets, for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, by Evolution Sports in Redlands, and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.